0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Scottish Documentary Institute podcast. My name is Jonathan Melville and in this episode you'll hear a recording of a recent SDI Zoom coffee morning conversation between myself, SDI Director Noi Mendel and freelance editorial and programming consultant Lynn McCordy. Lynn offered advice for documentary filmmakers on finding the right funding for your project, along with some tips on what funders are looking for in your applications. As I record this in May 2020, the UK is currently in lockdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and our coffee mornings are a way for us to try and keep documentary filmmakers connected. You can find out more about all our events at Scottish Doc Institute.com forward slash events. And we have more lined up for the coming months with recordings of many of them available via Scottish Doc Institute.com forward slash masterclasses and as podcasts. Now I'll pass over to Lynn.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm really happy to be here. Um, I'll just jump straight into it. So, um, in terms of what I do now, I um, help filmmakers. One of the primary ways I do that is that I am the first reader for a lot of international funds. So I work with various organizations, including Sundance, um, IFP in New York, um, the BFI Doc Society, the New Perspectives Funds. um, Yeah, so I read in a lot of funds and I kind of bridge the gap. I'm the first person to read an application and to make recommendations. Sometimes I'm in the final decision-making process as well. Um, but one of the things that, regardless of any fun that I'm reading on, there are a kind of like five principles that they all share in terms of what they're looking for. And uh, the first is originality. So I've got a little, um, I don't know if everyone can see um, this little presentation that I quickly- Yeah, created. that's good. Is originality, which is a a new perspective on a story. So, as you probably might guess, a lot of um, stories that are in a zeitgeist, a lot of filmmakers will want to make a film about a particular theme or something that's going on in society. Um, So, we will get a lot of um, projects that will be thematically um, similar. So, one of the things that we look for is How original is that angle of the story that you're telling? Uh, The second is visual style. How do you play with form and conventions? How do you break out of the box of being a typical documentary? Do you use, are you hybrid? Are you, um, which is playing with fiction elements? Um, Are you playing with form? Is it experimental? Is it, you know, what are you doing to make your story cinematic and visually appealing the third is subject how is it cultural culturally and socially relevant to audiences Um, what we're seeing is there's a lot more documentaries being made you know we've got netflix we've got all these platforms in which films can be shared Um, And also film equipment is a lot cheaper, so there's a lot more freedom for people to pick up a camera and make a film. So one of the things that we look for is how do you get your audiences? And so how you get your audiences is how relevant the story is to them. So those are, um, that's quite an actually important factor in how we select projects. The other is story. What's your access about and um, what makes your story unique. So this point has actually become more important, especially in recent years, in terms of um, diversity in the filmmaking process and in also in terms of who has the right to tell a story and who has the power of the voice of the story. Um, we've seen in a lot of, especially documentary um, festivals, there's been a lot of um, blowback about filmmakers out- from outsider's perspective going into certain areas and making films that don't necessarily reflect an authentic or a nuanced portrait of the community that they're f- filming. So a lot of funds now are directly asking filmmakers this question about what is your relationship to the subjects in your story and the community that you're making a story about. Um, so one of the things that I always tell filmmakers is to consider how you make your connection to your, the community and your subjects in your film as potent as possible. One of the easiest ways to do that is to have them be key personnel in some way, or have them integra- um, be an integrable, integral part of the storytelling and filmmaking process. So I can't highlight how much actually the ideas of access and perspective is really important to what uh, reviewers are looking for. And the last point is vision. How do you articulate this? So you're often applying to people who are reading hundreds and hundreds of applications. Um, You don't know them. How do you articulate your ideas in a way that they can understand and be on board with? So those are the things that I think of, I recommend people consider when they are, when they've come across a story and they're thinking about developing it into a documentary. Um, I then compiled um, a list of do's and don'ts, which I used to, um, I found myself repeating myself quite a lot when I used to work for Doc Society in terms of helping filmmakers, that was a major component of my job was to um, help filmmakers in terms of not just our grantees but the filmmaking community in general. And uh, so I compiled a list of do's and don'ts when you're making an application. Um, Some of them are common sense but sometimes they're good to include as a gentle reminder Um, The first big one is leave yourself plenty of time to make an application. Might sound obvious, but um, there is always, at every single deadline, a number of people ranging from like 50 to 100 people, all en masse emailing up to an hour, sometimes a couple of hours after a deadline in a panic. This doesn't bode well for making a good, compelling application if you're rushing. So leave yourself plenty of time, find out what the deadlines are for the various um, funds that you're applying for and leave yourself plenty of time, you know, a few weeks at least to make an application. Um, That leads on to the second point is be aware that funders have tight schedules and read large volumes of applications to assess. So this is ranging from 150 to 500 at one time. Um, again, that leads on to the first point of leave yourself time because it's not just your time that is impacted if you're rushing. It's also funders as well. Read all the information provided about the fund. That includes deadlines, criteria, application process, like, and complete any tests that they ask you to do. So... The BFI Doc Society has the um, the cultural test. You need to complete it. It's just it's not something that you can bypass. You need to complete it. Read read the guidelines because a lot of the time the information that you're seeking is there. So rather than just emailing somebody in the office, make sure that you've at least tried to find out the information first because a lot of the time it's already there provided for you. Um. When you've made an application, check your application and check again before submitting. Um, because there's a lot of people who are in a panic to submit. They submit and then they've forgotten to add this and forgotten to add that. And we, <clears throat> because of the uh, way things work, in order to be fair, we can't go in and, and make adjustments to your application for you on your behalf. That will be tampering. So you need to make sure that you have included everything you need to include because once you've submitted, we can't make any changes for you. Um, The one-minute video, so this is not for all funds, um, but when you have a one-minute video, when it asks you to upload a video, please do, it's actually very, very important for um, reviewers to see Um, One of the reasons why is because we try to level the playing field for a lot of people where um, applying, um, making a funding application can feel like it's a skill in itself, a job in itself, and not everyone, it's almost like writing an essay, not everyone is able to do so. And we find a lot of the time that the one minute video is an opportunity for applicants to actually really articulate what they are trying to achieve that they necessarily can't communicate with words in the written form um so it and it's also a great way for um reviewers of which a lot of the funds the, the reviewers come from all aspects of the industry they can come from all over the world they can come from anywhere it's often also a great way for people for people from various backgrounds to just really get to understand what it is that they are re- assessing. So we always recommend the one minute video. It doesn't have to be high production value. Literally what we're asking is that you set your phone in front of you and record a message. Um, another one that's quite important that all reviewers always ask me to remind people is to keep to the word limit and say what you mean. Um, Often people think that writing like a thesis is important. It's really not. It should be that you can articulate what you want to say efficiently. Um, When we ask for a budget, we're aware that a budget might change. That's the nature of making documentaries. We just need to see that you have realistic expectations for your project. So we're saying that just because you might have seen somewhere that a Netflix project costs 5 million, that doesn't mean that your project is going to cost 5 million. Um, it's, un- it doesn't bode well when you've got a project that could be made for 200,000 and it's quite obvious to everyone that it could be made for 200,000. And then you're asking for 5 million. Um, be honest in your application. It's being viewed by experienced people who can sense when something's not quite right, and we will look into it. So there have been pay. Um, there has there have been cases in the past of people um, not being honest in their credits or projects that they've worked with, or more importantly, not telling us when um, if they have competing filmmakers making a similar story and using the same resources and um, contributors as as them. Just tell us from the outset everything that's happening. Um, Put in the effort. A sloppy application that doesn't answer the questions suggests that the film is not quite a right stage and you might not be ready to make it. So this obviously means that if you are not answering the questions that are being asked of you, that you don't quite know yet, your, your film's not ready. It's not as ready as you think you are, but it also is a case of when people out and out don't answer the questions because their project isn't the right fit for a particular fund. So, you know, the saying is you can't squeeze a circle into a square kind of thing. You can't just um, just because you that's the fund av- available that it's the right fund for your project. Um, do get in touch within a reasonable time frame. People are there to help. Um, a few don'ts um, is. Don't worry if you don't have all the answers or if things change. This is the nature of documentary. It's a long process and it's ever changing. Don't get in touch about your application after the deadline has passed. Um, Only under special circumstances do people get um, extensions. But you can't call up afterwards because you didn't know that the deadline was that day or because you didn't know the difference between noon and midnight. It's not, um, yeah, that's not an acceptable excuse. Um, Just linking with the do's is don't try and bypass the word limit. Um, Your project will be rejected if you do things such as answer the question with a Google link. Um, Please do not copy and paste from a prepared treatment. Answer the questions properly. Don't exaggerate or lie in your application. Don't apply if your project is unsuitable, doesn't fit the brief of a particular fund. We're all aware that there's, especially in the UK, kind of a limited um, production funding for film in general, but in particular documentaries. We're aware of that. Unfortunately, a lot of the funds that I work with, we are at the behest of... The people giving us the money, so they are looking for particular projects to support that fit a particular brief. We can't change it to accommodate people just because they're from the UK or whatever. They actually have to fit a brief. So, say for instance, the BFI Doc Society Fund doesn't do journalistic or investigative projects, Um, and I do see on occasion people who've applied for journalistic and investigative funds previously will come with the same project and an identical application and apply for the BFI fund and then just put a line in saying, this is not an investigative or journalistic project. Just because you've put that line in doesn't make it, it's, it's, doesn't make it a fit for the fund. Having said that, don't aban- abandon your project just because you didn't receive funding Um, We don't give feedback to applications because of the huge volume of applicants in comparison to the small team to review and select. But more often than not, there's nothing wrong with your application. It's just a simple fact that we can only support about 6% of all applications. Um, And often people can, who necessarily didn't get funding the first time round, often they have probably made the long list, even the short list. And sometimes if they reapply, they can get funding um, again. Or um, there are also just other creative ways of making your film. Don't put all your eggs in one basket and think, I can only just apply for um, this one fund. And then when it happens, you just kind of decide to just forget the project. Don't do that. Um, Because the last point I wanna make that's really important is don't lose heart um yeah so that's the do's and don'ts there are um you'll probably have more questions and um things like that but um yeah i'm happy to answer them afterwards maybe give a bit more detail about what it is that a lot of reviewers are looking for and the way that in which projects are selected but i'll wait until the end when you've got questions um in this presentation i did list a few kind of funds that I know of that are available or sites that I would really, I would really recommend that you go and look at. So I'll quickly go through those. So the first is because I used to work there, the Doctor Society Fund, um their fund schemes uh systems are changing, but there are some funds that they still have. So one of them is a the new perspective seed fund that usually comes at the end of the year. This is a um fund for specifically targeting um, new or emerging talent, so people who are in their first or second uh, documentary feature. This is a global fund, so it's open to um, everyone. It's Although it's based in America, um, the actual fund itself is specifically looking for non-American projects and non-western projects so they only will fund like one or two um, US projects it really is tri- it really does try to be a fund for the global market. you can get up to like 15k seed money um, often to help you create a mood board or a trailer to seek other funding or um, so your project does have to be in like development stage. Uh, The other one is these are closed funds, but these are funds that you should be aware of because um, a lot of organizations have closed funds where they are keeping an eye on projects that are being made and will have a discussion amongst higher ups and directors and then approach filmmakers. So one of them is called the Circle Fund which is a uh, fund made possible by a group of family foundations and philanthropists. This is a fund that primarily focuses on really creative um, documentaries. Um, There's Threshold and Perspective, which is a fund that is primarily American, but it does do international, and they have um, criteria that is to do with either the environment or... um, social issues, racial justice, and things like that. Then there's a Flex Fund, which is an initiative by Skoll, Ford and Doc Society, which supports innovative and um, creative projects that are in partnership with social entrepreneurs, and um, so it's usually quite environmental-related. So this is just an idea of some of the funds that we have supported, that, that doc Society has supported in the past. So Chasing Coral, Bisbee 17, Citizen Four, Possibilities at Endless, The Invisible City, and um, like Howe County this morning, this evening, Midnight Traveller, which um, was in Last Sundance, um, Knock Down the House, White Helmets and Roll Red Roll. Um, another good source of information is idfa so you've got the bertha fund which is you know the classic fund for um, journalistic and investigative stories as well as it being for a a global fund as well you probably all know but the idfa forum is one of the greatest ways in which you can go and uh, network and even if you don't have a project in a forum It's a great place to be able to meet other filmmakers, creators, producers, decision makers. Um, But now IDFA has got a lot of stuff. They've got an online library, so you can go and check out lots of films that I have been meaning to have a look at. But yeah, IDFA is a very good source, I'd recommend. Um, Sundance, who I work with, have their global fund which I would recommend you take a look at. Their fund doesn't really have any criteria, their main fund. It's just documentaries from around the world. So, you know, it's one of the best um, funds to apply for. It's a rolling fund. It's all year round. Um, They'd have sub funds or special opportunity funds, um, which are the A&E Brave Storytellers Fund, the Condender Fund, which is for um, gun rights and environmental projects. The Science Sandbox Nonfiction Project Fund, which is a bit like Welcome Fund, so anything to do with science and medicine. And the Luminate Fund, which is, I think, also a slightly um, an environmental um, edge to it. And also um, <laughs> civic rights and freedom of press. So the ways in which to have access to these opportunity funds is to apply to the main fund and whoever reviews it, such as someone like myself, if I can see that it's appropriate for the opportunity funds, I will highlight that and recommend that it be considered for those. Um, I've just got a couple of here of like um, workshops and things like that to consider. There are also a great way in which to learn about Get a sense of how the industry works globally, um, how to present your projects um, in the most appealing way to decision makers and all sorts. So, a Doc Incubators one. Um, we've got the Gucci Tribeca Documentary Fund um, which is another global fund CPH docs, which everyone kind of knows, Um, the various forums, CPH is really good because it's quite contained, quite civil. It's not too crazy. Um, It's a great way to go and meet with people, especially hybrid creative, highly creative docs. Um, IDA. So IDA, the website, I've included the link because they have a really good, useful global funding database that I think is updated quite regularly. I would recommend that that's probably one of the first places you go to if you're looking to kind of see what funding is available. Um, Everyone knows DocFest. Um, It's quite good for TV. And broadcast. Um, it's quite a crazy festival, it's also quite expensive to go to so I put it on there because it's the biggest um, forum in the UK but it's not for everybody um, but if you do go make the most of it because it is it can be really really useful. I just wanted to put here Open City which is a festival in um, London it's uh, part created by uh, the University of I think it's um, Burbeck University um, this is actually a growing festival and it's actually really really good and um, there's a lot of their industry side is growing and I would really recommend people considering it it's just very well created their program First of all, program in general, but their forums and assemblies are really, really interesting. They get really interesting people to attend, um, but it's also quite small, so you actually do feel the benefits of being able to sit down with people and actually have conversations and network. So it's just one that I thought would be of interest to people. And then there's Hot Docs, which has a number of funds. It's quite small amounts of money, but it's still a good one to consider. Um, Also on an international facing kind of uh, off front, including their forum. So I would also consider looking there. And there's a lot of, um, they like to do a lot of international um, co-productions and things like that. Lastly, one of the things I always tell people to consider, my personal thing, is to consider your audiences from the very beginning of your from your development stage. One of the reasons why I say that is because your audience will determine what kind of film you make and that will also determine where you go for funding. So Doc Society's got a thing called the Impact Film Guide, which is a database of case studies of films, who of films and their um, audience development plans and their impact plans that they had. It's a good resource to see how what journeys previous uh, documentaries have gone on. Um, but it's one avenue I would suggest looking at. But one of the other ways that I um, suggest people look at is to look at films that they are either inspired by or films that are thematically similar to what they're trying to create. Look at their credits, um, look at who supported them and kind of do further investigation there, um, which leads on to, um, yeah, so do do that. Uh, I say, look at your credits of films that you've watched. Um, also, I was saying the other day that Film Freeway is also really interesting. So if you're looking at submitting to various festivals or whatever, it's also a good source to research what's out there because there's often quite connected um, to forums and therefore connected to decision makers who will attend these forums and what these decision makers are offering in terms of funding opportunities. Um, the last thing I would mention is what are your options? How are you going to distribute your film once it's made? Because that, again, will inform the way in which you get funding to make that film. So there are a number of new funds, quite small, but new funds um, that are coming, becoming available that specifically cater towards projects that will go on particular platforms. So... They've expanded on the whole, oh, this has to be a cinematic film. It can be a a project that goes onto YouTube. It can go onto um, some online platform only or go onto like iTunes and Netflix and things like that. And they will specifically ask for projects like that. So an example would be like IFP. So I will... have started to recommend to filmmakers that they start considering how the film, their desired film will be seen, like by their desired audience. So if you've got an audience who predominantly are online, then it makes sense to make your film available to them online, which then in turn makes sense for you to consider who supports projects like that, that, you know, are online. Um, a lot of bigger funds are considering, That some projects, especially in the light of what's happening now, will be better suited online but still primarily their focus is on like cinematic festival appeal, um, you know, any kind of theatrical run that it can have and things like that. So it's just another additional thing to consider when you're looking at funding opportunities. I think that's about it. That
0: is fantastic. Thank you, Lynn. So much to take in there. So much information, uh, but so many good uh, links and suggestions and ideas. Uh, Maybe what we can do is share some of those in an email after Mm. the event. There's a couple of things, you you had a couple of links in there and and things like that. Um, So I think we we could spin off in so many different directions, actually. But one thing I just wanted to ask briefly was about... You mentioned there at the end how things are obviously changing very kind of quickly at the moment with the way the world is, is, is going. Um, I just wondered if you've got anything to sort of add to that or, or say about, I don't know, any funds or, or discussions that you've seen taking place just even over the last week or two about maybe new funds that might be coming or, or, or where people should be keeping an eye
1: on. Um, so for me, um I haven't had. It's been like light discussions rather than set in concrete, um, because people are trying to adapt as best that they can. I have noticed that um, there are some funds that are slightly changing their wording in their um, in what the projects they're going to support. So when I last when I said about um, literally being um, what's the term platform and agnostic which means that funds that were prim- primarily like you know for cinema or theatrical release are literally being like we're, we're we're kind of being a bit more free a bit more um acceptable of projects that may not suit a direct um cinema release right. so there is that but that it's kind of lightly being introduced there are a couple of like um organisations, especially from the more smaller niche kind of um, funders and opportunities where they the last couple of years, actually, they've been saying we are um, specifically looking for, in this sense, um, something that's um, appropriate for platforms rather than uh, the cinema. So it is changing. It's not like definite, but I think that they're having to be a bit more (coughs) flexible now um than before i feel like it's it was a trend that's heading in that direction but i think it's been sped up by what's happening in the world so i'd say yeah so um example is ifp which they do documentary and um and fiction and last year they started it but it wasn't so such a focus but this year they specifically said that they were had been accepting projects that were um, either series or literally cultivated for like YouTube or cultivated for specific platforms. Right.
0: Brilliant. <laughs> um, and Noe, do you have anything to say before we go to to questions?
2: I was just going to say that uh, we've got uh, mm-hmm. Yorin Segal from IDFA. Uh We wanted to add a few more words, kind of outlining the... So, uh, it for funds, Jorin, do, do you mind coming up and uh, um, and talking through it
1: you gone maybe he's I think he's messaging uh microphone, microphone doesn't work
2: yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, fair enough <laughs> fair enough yeah, yeah.
0: always some technical issues okay well we'll go there's a a few questions popping up in the chat Um, I don't know what to call it it's not really a chat room is it sort of chat section (laughs) Uh, if anyone has any other questions please pop them in there Um, the first one we have hi Patrick as Patrick just joined us Um, excuse me first question we have uh, in terms of right to tell story Molly Deneen for example, made her seminal film on the angel with no connection to the tube tube workers. Mm. Would something like this still get funded today? How would you suggest we square this circle?
1: Um, it probably would, depending on um, I know Molly's work. Um, but again, as I said, it's not like a case of um we will outwardly be like, you're not from that community, no. Um what we what I'm I'm saying was that we want to see how you connect yourself with the community. So a lot of what filmmakers are doing is um, they will do things like they will offer internships to um, people in their community. They will have um, or make them, give them titles where they are um, associate producer or something where they actually are contributing Mm -hmm. to the story and their perspective are being taken into account. So that's not to say that, people from one place can't go into another place and make and tell a story. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is how are you making sure that the perspective of the community is being heard in your film? Because there have been a number of documentaries that have not taken that into effect and actually caused quite a lot of damage to the communities. as a response, and so that's what the kind of thing that funders—they don't want to be responsible for funding projects that do that. So um, that's why um, the funders in the application process, because it's actually quite interesting that when you get it in the application process, that they're, they're asking those questions. Then that's um, it's an opportunity for filmmakers to consider that right there as early as possible, which they might not have done if it wasn't asked of them, like how are you making sure that the voices, the right voices are being heard and there's a nuance towards it. So it's not necessarily you like, there's just ways of doing it that, you know, you can include people in the story properly and give them the right credit and make sure that their voices are being heard.
0: Great. And we've got a question from Abby who says, would something like a divorce Iranian style a kim longinotto be commissioned today could it be construed as being extractive
1: um again it's a comp- yeah so it's it's a complex thing because it's also about the individual reviewers feelings towards it which is why a lot of the um our rev- like the different funds that i have worked on it's why they're reviewing Um, process takes so long is because we have to get the opinions of as many people as possible. It's not like one person reads your project, they make the decision and then that's the end of it. It's, it goes through different various committees and um, one of the things that, so one person might look at a project and love it because Kim Longinotta makes great work, Um, but another person might read it and be like, oh, but should we consider this, that or the other? And then what will happen is a lot of the time is that the project could be shortlisted and there'll be an an ongoing interview meeting process with the filmmaker where questions will be asked, any issues or questions that people have will be asked. And we work with the filmmakers to work out what can be done it's not like a simple thing like it's just going to be dismissed or either it will be commissioned or it's not it's an ongoing process that we work with filmmakers to you know it's just yeah it's an ongoing process
0: okay uh, and I don't know how easy this one is to answer but it's um, is it possible to tell us exactly what the briefs given by the funders are?
1: Uh, No, it depends on the fund. So it could be that you've got a fund that says, um, we primarily are looking for stories that are from um, a particular area or a particular theme, or um, the filmmakers have to be from a particular um, underrepresented background. It could be various things. Um, The briefs are not set in stone but there are they're there to guide. It's not like something where everyone gets a uniform thing. And it does depend on particularly what fund you're working on. And it's something that, you, you know, just the reviewers have it in consideration in the back of their mind in amongst the other decision-making processes that they have. So it's not setting concrete. It's basically, if it is specified, it will be specified in the funding information. If it says we're looking for filmmakers, or stories from this area it will say that um, but there's also other things that the um, reviewers are looking at beyond um, particular criteria
0: okay and do you what about historical documentary which funds do you recommend for that if
1: any Um. That's hard because historical documentary could be... There's no funds that specifically says we're looking for historical documentary. Sure. They yeah. don't really exist. Um, the f- like when I say um, relevance, it doesn't necessarily mean the story has to be something that has happened right now. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're saying the sense of urgency or relevance to a story, it's how does that story um, how is it relevant to audiences now? So there could be something that is happening that has happened 30, 40 years ago, but it's extremely relevant because it's happening now. Like how do you link the present with the past? So it's not a case of um, we're like, oh, if it's old, olden times, we're not going to support it. It's not that it's basically like, how do you make it relevant to Current audiences, how do you tell them that like this is relevant to you now? Yeah. Um, historical documentaries, I mean, that's a, quite vague. It's quite a broad kind of title, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not like there's a particular fund for historical documentaries. Um, it's, it's about what what does it what does themes that does it have that makes it relevant to audiences now.
0: Yeah, great. And then this is more of a, a sort of a comment or, or advice from Yoren from um, IDFA, um, who was just saying that, um, they wanted to add that IDFA Bertha Fund is looking for creative docs uh, like IDFA itself, so not so much journalistic. Mm-hmm. The classic fund is for director producers living in countries in development. The IDFA Bertha Fund Europe is for co-producers in Europe that work together with directors, producers from countries in development. Um, we can maybe share more information on that again in the email that we send out, We can rather than me reading it all out. Um, what else have we got? Question from Liam. I really struggle to avoid beginning production on a film, particularly with accessibility to tech, etc. And it's easy to get carried away if an idea is already going off on a certain trajectory. Is there a sensible way to go about starting your film without making yourself less fundable because you're already on that journey?
1: Um... Avoid I don't, (laughs) no, there's not really, I don't really, yeah, there's, you can't be less fundable. Um, I think people sometimes get confused and think that um, when you apply for funding, you can't have done any production work whatsoever. It's, it's a fluid thing, applying for funding. People, most funds are, unless they specifically say that you need to be in development and even in development, development can mean you've done research you've filmed a little bit, you've gone out on, you know, you've done a little bit of filming. Um, It doesn't mean that you can't have done filming before you apply for funding. It's an ongoing process and a lot of funds, most funds are actually um, funding from development through to production or when you're near completion, you're getting completion funding. A lot of the time it's actually good to be filming because it gives, you will be asked to give some visual references in, in, the, in the application. You'll be asked to provide some work sample of some sort to give an idea to the reviewers of like what the journey that you're going on. So I don't think that it makes you less fundable because you're already filming work.
0: Yeah. Great. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, Siobhan um, says she's here to get ideas for completion funding ideas of funds and what they're looking for she is almost a rough cut stage I don't know if you've got any comments on that one
1: yeah so a lot of as I said previously, previously just now um, a lot of funds are fund through from production so production funding can literally mean you're, you've got I think the Sundance definition is between 10% and 90% of um, production that you can apply for a production funding, um, and then there are funds that will literally say we offer completion funding. So, like the BFI Doc Society offers completion funding. Um, so, a lot of the t- I th- I would recommend Siobhan look at pl- um, funds that say production completion or late production stage because they probably will fund completion. Um, again, even if you are at rough cut stage. Um, there are other criteria that you'd have to follow depending on that particular fund so whether or not your fund is thematically tied into what the funders are looking for and things like that but i would recommend like looking at production and completion funding again looking at the ida database and things like that great
0: and chloe asks do you have any specific advice for first-time filmmakers in regards to funding and how to still make your film if you don't get funding?
1: Um, I would say there's, um, you should try with Doc Society website, their resources page is a good place to start off with um, because it also has other information about like the different stages of making a film and things like that to consider. I would also look at funds that are specific to first time or emerging talent. So I gave a little bit of insight with new perspectives. Um, There's also shorts um, funding. There's more of that coming out. There's uh, the BFI Doc Society has Made of Truth, but there are other shorts funds that is quite good. It's a good way in which for you to learn about the filmmaking process, before maybe um, jumping in, making a feature. But if you are still going in and making a feature, I would recommend looking at trying to find resources like the Doc Society one, like IDA, that gives you an overview of the filmmaking process in general. Um, If you don't get funding, one of the um, ways in which people continue to make their film, is to um, collaborate with people locally. So there's a lot of, one of the things before the lockdown that um, I was finding was I was speaking to a lot of like startups and a lot of like these companies dotted around, especially the UK, especially the north of England as well, um, that weren't really connected to each other like there's um there's like think it's is it called northern no is it called northern film media the... uh,
2: no i'm not sure what you oh,
1: there's like um there's a lot of little like organizations that are starting up where they're trying to network and connect film the filmmaking community and even just filmmaking um even just doc curious people essentially together so that they have some form of ability to network and work together on projects with each other like we'll just work alongside each other without you know funding and they're producing work from it um i will try and find out
2: Uh, yeah there is around newcastle there is a group
1: yeah there's a group in newcastle and nearby northern film and media yeah um is one but there are Others that are popping up um there's a producer that um, I know that she's her name's Jenny and of uh, literally let me find her name um, they're starting up organizations and helping people to network mm-hmm. Jenny Cochrane. from Freya films and they're starting up their own network and their own opportunities, mm-hmm. um, for people with no money. So you're not, they're not offering money, but they're basically offering resources. They're offering opportunities to network. They're offering, um, maybe helping you in terms of like budgeting and things like that. Um, maybe even like lending equipment and things like that to help people. Um, One of the festivals I would really recommend for a new first time filmmaker is the Aesthetica Short Film Festival. It's fantastic. It's I think it's really oriented towards new filmmakers and it's a perfect networking opportunity and for you to meet other people, both experienced and inexperienced. So, yeah.
0: That's great, thank you. Um, Another question that's maybe difficult to answer, I don't know, but how many pages would you recommend for a pitching deck for a feature-length documentary?
1: Um, So what was the question again? Sorry, I'm trying to find it. Uh,
0: From Mark, Mark Devlin, he says, how many pages would you recommend for a pitching deck for a feature-length documentary?
1: Um, That's an interesting one because I don't actually deal with a lot of, pitching decks, Um, a lot of the funding organisations that I work with in terms of funding, they have an application form that you fill in. Right. um, Because they've got specific questions. They're looking for specific information that might not be in a pitching deck or a treatment. Um, So I don't actually deal, um, but there are some funds that I deal with where you can attach it as like a, um, a supplementary attachment. They're usually about ten pages, I would say. Any more than that, um, and it's because again, time constraints. It's hard for uh, a reviewer to dedicate the amount of time to sit down and go through it. So yeah, I would say 10, 10 pages is fine to go through the basic elements such as subjects, the topic and themes, your impact, ambitions, and budget, and things like that. Ten pages.
0: And. Saeed just mentions people can hopefully see this in the comments, that the Gucci Tribeca Tribeca is open now. The deadline is extended to the 30th of April.
1: Thank you, Saeed.
0: What else do we have? Um, Budget. This is uh, from Sanella. He says, budget, is it considered unrealistic if the budget is extremely low? how much, uh, maybe what percentage of financial support is advised to have secured?
1: Um, is it considered unrealistic if the budget gets No, it depends on the project. It's basically, when I was speaking before about budgets, it's in relation to what you are doing. And it's just like, if what you are doing is low-budgeted, then just basically be realistic about how much money you need and what's it going to be spent on. That's what we're looking for, because it means that you understand what your project you're making. So it can't be too low, but don't sell yourself short. So if you've got a, a budget, that's like, there are some people who, especially the shorts where we offer like 15,000. And so someone will be like, oh, we're making it for like 11,000, because they think if they just don't ask for the full 15,000, it will make them more eligible. No, it doesn't. If you if just take the 15,000, if that's what we're offering (laughs) you, don't sell yourself short, but there's no budget that's too low. It just has to be realistic. Um, How much of financial support is advised to have secured? That doesn't matter. Like if you are um, applying, people apply all the time and they haven't got anything secured. A lot of the time it's their first application they're putting in. You don't have to have something secured to make yourself eligible or for you to be selected.
0: Okay. We do I think we've got quite a few more questions. So we'll we'll keep on going if you're okay with that just now. Yeah. We did say about ninety minutes. And then and I think if people still want to hang about and do the networking, we'll keep the the uh, the networking open as well to probably twelve ish. So Mariana, and also if I ask your question and I'm not asking it right or you want to add a bit to it please feel free to jump in, Um, Mariana says, given the current COVID situation some projects under production or late to development will have to adapt. Do you foresee this interest within funders? How are we able to adapt and include the COVID crisis limitations into our projects?
1: Um, Well I mean they're already doing so so one of the things that a lot of funders are doing is um, considering projects that will have to be on hold um, during for as long as this crisis is happening and one of the ways in which they're doing it is to um, like limit how much money is released in the first hand. To allow so that then people don't feel that if they get given all the money that they've been funded in one go, it, it will encourage them to think that they have to finish it within an unrealistic time scale or to do something that puts them in danger. So rather than do that, what we're saying is you'll get this good faith amount in the beginning, but it, t- it takes as long as it needs to take in terms of your scheduling and changes that you need to make. And then we'll give you the money when you're completely ready and it's right for you to continue making the film. So in that sense, a lot of funders are taking into consideration and also because they have to, because it's, they're being affected by it as well, um, the current crisis. So, and people are including it. So they're, they're saying that like in their, um, applicants are saying in their, um, in their scheduling, like timescales that things will have to change or or when people have applied before the crisis actually happened We're taking that into consideration when we are evaluating projects and going back to the filmmakers and being like What are you considering now that this is happening and this might impact your your Schedule. So yeah, the discussions are ongoing And funders are taking it into consideration
0: Yeah, and I think that answer probably kind of answers the next question from, um, from Jan or Jan apologies pronunciation there. Um, I don't know if you can see that one on there but it's just asking about documentaries or maybe currently are being developed, events are unfolding, things are changing, how as part of that treatment writing for projects that may have good access but not a definitive answer on story, story trajectory Do you have any advice for how to write proposals to funding bodies? I think that ties into current events so things are sort of changing and I think you've sort of covered that. Um, uh, Do you think?
1: Yeah, um, essentially, yeah, it's a whole kind of thing that funders are also taking into consideration. We're not just sitting there
0: um being really (laughs) strict yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: um we are literally taking it into consideration um and as i said it's the nature of documentary is that things can change and there are films that we have supported that were supposed to be one thing and ended up being something else completely um Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you just apply with like no story at all because you're just literally like, oh, well, anything could happen. There is an idea of where you think it will go, but then there's also you putting in, in making it clear that you can understand that there are different um, areas, the, and touching upon the different areas of the story could go. But fundamentally, you will have an idea of what, what the story is. Um, but there's also, yeah, the expectation that things can change because that's just literally documentary. Yeah.
0: and Jodie asks if you're wanting to make a feature can a short version of the film be an effective and enticing calling card or generally off-putting for a
1: funder? it's a good question um, if I'm being honest funders in general I found like when a project has been um, Shortlisted, and it's the the higher ups are making a decision. In general, they don't like um, adapted versions of short stories. A lot of the time, it's like the question is, what are you offering extra that hasn't already been already been articulated in the short form version of it? Um, that's the main question that they have. Um, it's they're literally like, you've made that film already. Now make another one, you you know, make another one rather than let's just remake what what you've already made. So that's not all the time because there are some stories where the story literally has moved on um, and something quite big has happened. And so then therefore it becomes like almost like a follow-up a longer follow-up that can happen. But in general, I would say that a lot of um, funders don't really like like um, long versions of a short story.
0: Okay. Uh, Michaela uh, is asking regarding budget. Yeah. Would an application ever be rejected because of the budget alone? So everything else is great, but the budget needs reworked uh, because these move around during production and post, so they should always be flexible.
1: Um, no um an application will never be rejected of um because of budget alone in general applica- applications are not rejected for one single thing it's usually an overall picture yeah um uh, but i think application is probably the last thing that a project will be um rejected for so when i was saying in the presentation about be realistic about your budget um it's, it's just because we will ask questions. If we were to progress your project and have a conversation with you, we would literally be like, um, we would ask very difficult questions about your budget if we felt that it really wasn't realistic. Um, a lot of the time, I don't think it would be fair to reject somebody, especially if they're a new filmmaker. Not everyone is a producer. Um, we get a lot of film, new filmmakers, especially for the shorts funds, where they don't have a producer attached. So they don't have somebody who actually knows how to work out a budget um, so we are prepared to help filmmakers through that process. We often for particular funds pair people up with producers as well um, so we're aware that like like creating budgets and things like that is a, literally a job in itself, so we wouldn't um you know penalize somebody for not knowing how to work a budget we would literally either help them work a budget or help them find somebody who literally it's their job to work a budget
0: yeah and i'm actually thinking i made a note i think we need to do we should look at dinner you know, coffee morning on budgeting because the next question is about budgeting as well <laughs> yeah. um and it's from kieran who asks um well says asks i'm finding it tricky to accurately value a director producer role do you prefer to see a per project rate or a day rate, and do you have any guidance on the range? Uh, this is in relation to a feature doc. So this is turning into a budgeting event a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and I
1: have to outline that budgeting is not my expertise. I can do the overall look at, but we have like the funds that I work with have business affairs people and um, pr- like people with producing experience that um, I pass that bit onto them. But in general. Um, for a per project rate or a day rate, we always um, go with that um, it should be at minimum, like a living wage of the rate that you are, whatever rate you set should be a living wage. So if you're going to articulate it, say, day rate, um, it should be like whatever living wage law that it is, it should be at least the minimum wage. And if it's a project rate, rate you should basically be working out um, the day rate as the minimum wage in relation to how many days the project will be worked on and that 's the way that you work out what the rate should be
0: brilliant um, we 've only got another couple of questions I think cool. um, this is from Lindsay uh, apologies a bit of a long one to just to read out here but i 'll try and summarize it um, Lindsay knows a young documentary maker who has a fantastic subject in mind uh, they'd love to be able to tell him the funds of the funds available for him to apply for but they misheard the one you mentioned about 10 minutes ago for new filmmakers and knew about new perspective seed fund I mean we will mention these we will send these out in an email mm. um, hopefully later today if not tomorrow morning um, probably tomorrow morning actually but yeah does there anything can you remember what one
1: it might have the other been another one you mentioned. You the I Session. society made of truth. Is that the Shorts Fund that you're looking for um, for new filmmakers? Yes, mm. the new perspectives, and then the um, Made of Truth was the other one that is particularly targeted towards new filmmakers. But that's for short films, under 40 minutes long.
0: Yeah, but again, as I as I said yeah. a few times, we will definitely send that out. I don't know if you want to share your slides or we can just share share links, but we can get, we'll can definitely get something out. Yeah. And um, what else do we have? Um, Valerie asks, are there any, are there particular topics, topics you're seeing all the time at the moment or topics and themes you wish you could see more of?
1: Good question. Um, there's a lot of environmental, climate change projects that are out, um, in particular about XR, Um, I personally would like to see a lot more if they're going to be environmental a lot more about um, perspectives on climate change within especially in the UK um, that comes from non-XR activists so basically people from different diverse backgrounds there's a lot of conversation about XR because a lot of the perceived look of XR is that it's a lot of privileged people from the South, um, middle-class people talking about environmentalism like it's literally a middle-class issue when it's actually a global issue for everyone concerned. And I have seen a lot of projects about XR like they are the only people who are activists or, you know, discussing the project, which... um, for me in order for the the topic to be truly at the zeitgeist and the conversation that everyone should be having there should be stories coming from different perspectives and so there's a lot of like working class perspective regional perspectives um people from ethnic minority backgrounds who are activists themselves that you're not hearing the stories from them and what they're trying to do. So I would say that's what I've been looking for. Um, a lot of, um, so in general we have, it's changed a little bit, but in general, there's a lot of films, especially with the UK focus funds of films coming from London. I personally would like to see films coming from everywhere in the UK and from all backgrounds, not just. London projects like I kind of roll my eyes every so often (laughs) when I'm like oh it's in London um but yeah I would say those are the kinds of stories that are coming up quite a bit and there's a lot of um in general a lot of David versus Goliath-esque environmental stories like individuals fighting big companies um there's a lot of those and they follow a very similar structure. So I'd kind of like to see those stories, but told in a just kind of a bit more, bit more originality, something different than the structures that they're hitting the same beats a lot of the time. So yeah, I'd say that.
0: Thank you. Okay, I think we're, just, we're almost now at the end of the questions. Uh, one question was just about XR. What, what is XR, but that's Extinction Rebellion. Mm. Um, if anyone's wondering, um, I think the final question now is from Hannah. Hannah Bailey. If I've missed any, please shout out if I've missed them. But um, she says she's currently working on a project with an environmental activist living in the Highlands. Is there any specific funding for films in environmentalism?
1: Yes. So a lot of funds, even though they don't specifically say it, um, because climate change and things like that is such an important. Issue. A lot of the funds, um, they do advise that um, reviewers like myself look out for projects like this. So I would say all of your typical funds, including if it's in the Highlands and it's here, I would say the BFI Doc Society Fund, the feature um, fund. The next round, I think, is in September, October time. So it's just, it. we just finished the beginning of the year. So there's two rounds. year. Um, The other is as I said Sundance has their special ops funds and one of them is the Condender fund which is environmental and then uh, what else is there? There is oh yeah and if you apply to the BFI Doc Society fund it gets um, pushed through to our database of which we keep an eye on every environmental fund that comes through um, the various Doc Society funds. So um, I think that they are at the moment, it's not set in stone, but I think that they're looking for ways to support more environmental films. Uh, Doc Society just had a climate chain uh, climate lab. So there's a lot of focus from various funding organisations in particularly environmental stories. but yeah, I would say those are the two main ones. And then for any others that I can't think at the top of my head, um, apart from like IDA, IDFA, and I would say go onto the IDA website and look at their um, database because you probably could be able to filter via environmental issues.
0: Fantastic. This has been brilliant. Um, so many great tips and, and advice, bits of advice. Um, and it went a little bit longer than I sort of expected, but that's actually fine. i think that's 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 why we're here um anything else you'd like to say in the way before we kind of split into breakout rooms
2: no except it's been fantastic lynn that's uh, very clear kind of you know advice and uh, i know there's a lot to take in for people who've you know just beginning this kind of conversations but they will get a chance to uh, watch this uh, uh, recorded uh, session on different platforms. So you can take your time, pause, take notes, et cetera. Um, I think uh, the advice is kind of always also try to find yourself a producer. Yeah. To you Through kind of, you know, all this, just having someone else to collaborate. Uh, makes a big difference to writing up a funding application. Uh, one person, one brain is not enough. We we need more people.
1: Yeah, I should have added that actually in the in the do's. is like the application, not just allowing enough time to write an application. It's about allowing enough time for all your whole team to contribute to the application. It's not just a one-person project. Filmmaking in general is a collaborative affair, and so is the funding process
2: yeah the film we're carrying in our heads is so much clearer than the film that we put on paper
1: exactly (laughs) exactly so having everyone else's input makes it easier to see it from other people's perspective
2: yeah and no way it's good sorry i was going to just to say it's good to hear that founders are starting to adapt and probably kind of see our situation as a more long term uh, situation rather than just thinking, yes, we will kind of, you know, go back to production as we have known it. So it's important at this stage for any funds to apply in the future uh, to bear that in mind.
0: And way no, I was just going to say, I don't know if you just want to talk briefly about the uh, consultations that we run. Year, you're part of every uh, regularly at the SDI, just if people do have any questions about this or other things, really. Do you want to mention that briefly?
2: Yes, every month now we're offering free consultations. So if you go to SDI website, uh, you can sign up for this and you get basically one hour of our kind of uh, time uh, to uh, to look at whatever proposal you're putting together or feed on any aspects of uh, uh, the production that you are kind of working on so I've got to say this is for Scottish based only filmmakers, <laughs> we would not be able to cope with the entire UK. <laughs> <laughs> Any Scottish based filmmakers, please go to SDR website and uh, sign up for a free consultation if, uh, if you want to share, if you want someone else's opinion. Um, but you know, you'd be dealing with experts. So, uh, so it's not just a friendly kind of here. It's a bit more than that.
1: Yeah. One more thing. Mm. Was, I remembered that, um, in, including Northern film and media, they've teamed up with, um, something called the Tees Valley screen team mm. who are helping their consulting in, um, Northern, North of England with events, socials and surgeries. For Middlesbrough, Stockton, Darlington, Hartlepool, and Redcar and Cleveland. That's an example of um, these little startups that are happening in the, around regional parts of the UK for filmmakers.
0: Thanks, Lynn, for joining us. We'll be back soon with more episodes of the podcast. You can also sign up for a newsletter at Scottish forward slash subscribe to hear about the latest news and event details.